And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. I can see you right now in the kitchen, bending over a hot stove, but I can't see the stove. Who knows what evil lurks in the hearts of men? The shadow knows. <laughs> Would you mind telling me whose brain I did put in? And you won't be angry. I will not be angry. Abby someone. Abby someone. Abby who? Abby normal. What do you do, Carl? Carl is a inventor slash entrepreneur. Yeah, I'm still looking for that home run, you know? I mean, when I saw the iPod first time, I was like, yeah, I gotta kick myself. That was so hard on him. What's your name? Carl's my name. Atomic batteries to power. Turbines to speed. Roger. Ready to move out. Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents the best in classic radio. This hour on Hollywood 360, I'll present the conclusion to My Favorite Husband, starring Lucille Ball. Then Edward Pauly stars as Steve Wilson, crusading editor of the Illustrated Press on Big Town from 1948. With me, as always, is my co-host, Lisa Wolf. What's up, Lisa? Hey, Carl. How are you? All right. What's happening in Hollywood? Well, a new movie's coming out that seems really unusual. It's called Bad Moms. Have you heard about it? No. It's a comedy. It's rated R. Definitely not a family film. They talk about these moms. They're overworked. They're pushed beyond the limits and they decide to ditch their responsibilities. Not cook for their kids. Not cook for their kids and they go for this long overdue freedom and it's going to start Lisa Wolf. Yeah. Mila Kunis. Oh, Mila Kunis. Kristen Bell. Oh, Kristen Bell. Christina Applegate. Yeah. And Jada Pinkett Smith. Yeah. Okay, so it'll be released July 29th. Four, Attractive women. Right? I have to Wait be. Wait a minute, you forgot one. Well, five. With okay, you. thank okay, you. Um, this is created by the writers of The Hangover, so it's oh, that it's type of humor. I think you like it. Great. And what it is is it's really not about bad moms, but it's about real moms. Yeah. All right, Lisa. Let's go back and tune into the conclusion now of My Favorite Husband, December thirtieth, nineteen fifty, starring Lucille Ball. <laughs> My Torkel. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with my Torkel. Now, there's no use getting alarmed. A lot of people live for years without a Torkel. They do? Well, is it painful? No, no. We anesthetize thoroughly for a Torkelectomy. Of course, you'll never be able to yammel again. I won't. Well, tell me, doctor, will you have to remove the whole torkel? Well, maybe we'll be lucky and can save half of it. (laughs) After all, half a torkel is better than not. Well, I I should say so. I hate to think of never yammeling again. (laughs) What's yammeling? It's an involuntary peristalsis of the transverse clavis. Oh. Well, uh, tell me, Doctor, is there anything we can do for her? All we can do is wait. The crisis should be passed in 24 hours. Just wait and hope she doesn't turn green. Green? Yes. That's the real danger sign. What happens then? If you turn green, three hours later, 
Gone. Gone? Gone. Oh, my poor Liz. Oh, come on now, honey. Let's let's be my big, brave girl. I am being brave. I've got to be going alone. I'll, I'll see you to the door, Doctor. Hey, now, Liz. Yes? You stay in bed and drink lots of water and fruit juice. All right. And I'll see you tomorrow at this same time. I hope. Ah! <laughs> Mrs. Cooper, are you awake? And Mrs. Atterbury's here to see you. Liz, girl, how are you? Hello, Iris. Just ring if you want me. George told me about you, girl. I'm on my way to the bridge club, and I thought I'd drop by and see you. Well, thank you, Iris. It was good of you to take the time. Well, after all, girl, I'm your best friend. And anyway, I had to find out what you had so I could make a full report to the girls. (laughs) Well, you might as well know, Iris. I've got the flim jabs. Uh. The flim jabs? What's that? It's a rare tropical disease. Oh, how exciting! Oh, this will make Betty Ricky's gallstones look sick. She'll be absolutely green. She's not the only one. What? That's one of the danger signs. I may turn green. She lives. With a green face and your red hair, you'll be out of this world. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm afraid of. Iris, if I turn green, three hours later, gone. Gone? Gone. You mean gone as in to your reward? <laughs> That's right. But Liz, I, I, I can't believe it. How did you catch this uh, flim-flam or whatever it is anyway? <laughs> Who knows? I was only pretending at first. George didn't want to buy me a mink coat, and I wanted one so badly to wear to your party that I acted oh, like... Oh, no. Not that stale sympathy routine. Yes. I pretended to be sick, and the next thing I knew, I had the flim jabs. Hi, Doctor. Come on in. Uh, How is our little patient? Is she all over the flim jabs? Uh, Not exactly. She just turned green. What? 
That's impossible. There is no such thing as flim jazz. No, but uh, there is such a thing as a green light bulb. Oh, you did? <laughs> yes, I did. She's taking a nap. As soon as she fell asleep, I put a green bulb in the light in her room. Come on, let's go wake her up. <laughs> Liz, the doctor's here. Give me that. That's my torkel. <laughs> She's still asleep. Liz, uh, wake up. The doctor's here. What? Oh, gee, it's dark. Turn on the light, George. All right. Well, Liz, how are you feeling? Oh, just fine, doctor. I guess I've come through the 24-hour crisis without turning... What's the matter? Look at my hands! They're green! You're right, they are! And your face, too! My face! Hand me a mirror, George! Oh, here you are, my poor green darling! Oh, my face and my hair! Wait a minute! You had the flim jabs, too! What do you mean? You're both green. Us? Doctor, do I look green to you? No. But you're not green to me either. Oh, no. This is the end. I'm looking at the world through green-colored eyeballs. <laughs> look, honey. Oh, I... George. I'm going. This is it. I know it. Farewell, my love. Oh, goodbye. Now, Liz, don't get so upset. I'm sorry, dear. It's just that I don't die every day and it's new to me. <laughs> Look, Liz, maybe we can still save you. No. No, a person knows these things. I can feel it in my bones. Green bones, that is. <laughs> Liz, I have a confession to make. So have I, George. Well, but, but let me tell you mine first. Well, no, George, let me. I won't be here as long as you will. Well, all right. George, from time to time, I've smashed things on our car. Here a hood, there a fender, now a running board and occasionally a trunk. <laughs> and I had them fixed and didn't tell you about it. Yes, Liz? In fact, the only thing left of the original car you bought is the ashtray in the back seat. <laughs> That's very interesting. Have you uh, anything more to confess? Yes. Last night when I said I was sick, I was only pretending so you'd get me a mink coat. Liz, how could you? Isn't that awful? <laughs> Aren't you ashamed? Oh, yes, I am, George. I wish I was dead. Oh, no. Honey, let me tell you my confession. Go ahead, George. You wonderful husband, you. No, no, honey, honey. You, you don't have the flim jabs. It's a trick the doctor and I played on you because I knew you were trying to get a mink coat. Why, you big stinker. <laughs> Wait a minute. I'm still green. I put a green light in the lamp. George Cooper, you just wait till I get well. And... Oh, I forgot. I haven't been sick. <laughs> I'll get it. Hello. Is that you, Liz, girl? Iris, are you crying? I can't help it, girl. The whole bridge club's been bawling ever since I told them you were going to leave us tonight. 
Oh, Iris, I'm going to be here a while longer. Well, that's I... it, Liz. Be brave. Hang on to every precious minute. <laughs> oh, Iris, don't cry. I'm, I'm going to be all right. Well, you just keep saying that, Liz. We girls just had a little ceremony in your memory. <laughs> memory? But, Iris, We I... turned your chair to the wall and smashed your teacup in the fireplace. <laughs> well, that's very sweet, Iris, but listen to me don't now. Don't talk, don't talk. Save your strength. Elizabeth Cooper, the whole club joins me in this tribute. To you, our soon-to-be former member. <laughs> Listen closely. There. What was that? <laughs> Ten seconds of silence. <laughs> well, coming from that Gabby Bridge Club, uh, that's a real tribute. <laughs> that's the way. I'll tell them you went with a joke on your lips. Look, Iris... Please let me finish. I may break down entirely. <laughs> we took the whole treasury and bought you a goodbye present. Now, Iris, listen to... What was it? A mink coat. <laughs> a mink coat? Yes, girl. We figured if you've got to go, we wanted you to go in style. <laughs> I know how you must feel, girl. Goodbye. I'll see you tomorrow. I mean, goodbye. <laughs> What's the matter, Liz? The girls in the club are giving me a mink coat. Well, honey, isn't that what you wanted? Yeah, but I have to die to get it. <laughs> yes, Lucille, what's up tonight? Tonight, we play a couple of nomads lost in the desert. A little desert music, please, Wilbur. Water! Water! I've been floundering on this desert for three days. Wait! I see something moving. Hello! Hello, water! <laughs> I can't believe say, Bob? I said I, I said I can't believe my eyes. You're a human. I am. Oh, I am. I am. Yeah. Oh, my! Glad to see you. I'm lost. Well, I'm glad to see you. I'm Smith. Put her there. No, I mean I'm lost. I don't know where I am. You don't? No. Well, it's all right, Bob. I know where you are. Oh, thank heavens. Where? Right there. <laughs> Look, I'm trying to find my camp. It's right near a big dune. A dune? What's a dune? What's a dune? Oh, I don't know. What's dune with you? <laughs> Wait. Look over there. Where? A mirage. Where? Over there. Where? I, I see palm trees. Where? And a little lake. You do? 
<laughs> yes, don't you? No, I see a big bowl of jello. How come? I ain't being paid for seeing palm trees and lakes, that's how come. <laughs> oh, yes, yes, yeah. I see it too now. Yeah, well, high time, Buster. <laughs> of course I can see it. Six big bowls of jello and those six delicious flavors. Yeah. Strawberry, raspberry, cherry, orange, lemon, and lime. Jello with a flavor that's locked in so it can't get out till your first delicious spoonful. Boy, when you see him, you'll really see him, don't you? <laughs> what else, Bob? Look for those big red letters on the box, for they spell jello, and jello spells a treat. Nice work, Bob. Well, let's go home. Go home? Yeah. We're lost in the desert. Well, why don't we each take one of those cars? What cars? The ones over there. That's a two-car mirage. Good night, Bob. <laughs> Listening to My Favorite Husband, starring Lucille Ball with Richard Denning, and based on characters created by Isabel Scott Rorick. Tonight's transcribed program was produced and directed by Jess Oppenheimer, who wrote the script with Madeline Pugh and Bob Carroll Jr. Original music was composed by Marlon Skiles and conducted by Wilbur Hatch. The part of Katie, the maid, was played by Ruth Parrott. Bob Lamond speaking. This is CBS, the Stars Address, the Columbia Broadcasting System. That's My Favorite Husband, December 30th, 1950, with Liz Has the Flim Jabs, starring Lucille Ball, along with Richard Denning, Gail Gordon, and Frank Nelson. Sponsored by Jell-O, as heard on CBS. Let's take a break, then it's more here on Hollywood 360. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Welcome back. I'm Carl Amari. This is Hollywood 360. To my right, the vivacious Lisa Wolf. To my left, the one and only Mike Costella, our executive producer and master of all trades. We're going to listen to a show that we've never tuned in before. Never, ever, ever played one of these in all the years on the air. It's called Big Town. It was a popular, long-running radio drama that was adapted to the silver screen, television, and even a line of DC comic books. It was produced by William N. Robeson. It premiered on CBS Radio in 1937. Movie star Edward G. Robinson starred as Steve Wilson, crusading editor of the Illustrated Press. And fellow movie star Claire Trevor was Wilson's society editor sidekick Lorelai Kilborn. The stories revolved around the Illustrated Press, the city's largest newspaper, and the people who worked for it, and the stories they covered. Others to portray Steve Wilson over the run included Edward Pauly and Walter Grisa. Ona Munson and Fran Carlin were heard as Lorelai Kilborn. For a time, Big Town was rated in the top 12 with a listening audience between 10 and 20 million each week. It lasted on radio until 1952 and made the transition to television in 1950. Okay, let's tune this in. Let's go back to a broadcast date of September 14, 1948. This is called Blind Justice. It stars Edward Pauly as Steve Wilson. Here's part one of Big Town. Life Boy Health Soap presents Big Town. Extra, extra hero about blind justice. Steve Wilson's headline story brought to you by Life Boy Health Soap. Used in the homes of 40 million Americans. Extra, extra. 
Yes, Life Boy Health Soap presents Big Town, the headline stories of a great city, dramatically reported by Steve Wilson, fighting managing editor, whose creed, as with all great newspaper men, is emblazoned on the masthead of the Illustrated Press. The power and the freedom of the press is a flaming sword, but it may be a servant of all the people. Use it justly, hold it high, and guard it well. Now, Big Town and tonight's headline story of Blind Justice. The spirit of justice is personified in the figure of a woman, blindfold, armed with a sword of authority and holding high the finely balanced scales of right and wrong. And Steve Wilson's story for tonight deals with just such a measure of good and evil and had its beginning in an unpretentious house in a residential section of Big Town. Yes, yes, just a minute, please. I'm coming. Hi, lady. Oh, oh, just a minute. I'll switch on the porch light for you. Never mind turning on the light, lady. Where's Mike Barton? In the parlor. Please come in. No, thanks. Get him out here on the porch. Who is it, Anna? A man to see you, Mike. He won't come in. Oh, who'd be wanting to see me at this time of night? Hi, Barton. Oh. Anna? Yes, Mike. What's wrong? Go in the parlor, Anna. Go in the parlor and close the door. Oh, Mike. Not more trouble. Not more trouble, Mike. Anna. Please go in the parlor and close the door. All right, Mike. Don't let him make you lose your temper and do something you'll regret. That's good advice, Barton. Who's the dame, your wife? No, my sister. And I'll thank you not to be calling her a dame. Okay, okay, Barton. Pull in your horns and listen to what I gotta tell you. If you're from that chiseling outfit run by Knuckles Malone, I'll have none of your threats. A big man's tired of sending little boys out to threaten you, Barton. Then what have you come out here for? To make with the last proposition. Proposition, is it? Yeah. I'll hire none of Malone's cutthroats on any construction job I'm farming them. And I'll not kick back any part of their pay to the likes of him, and you can tell him that. That's your last word, Barton? It's me very last word. You said it. You said it. <laughs> Steve Wilson, Illustrated Press. Steve, the Lorelei, your paper crime reporter. Your hunch was right on that Mike Barton murder out here in Willowdale. Good grief. The same Mike Barton who was beaten up by hoodlums here in Big Town last month, Lorelei? Yes, yeah, Steve. He was another construction foreman. Well, that could mean Knuckles Malone and his building trades racket. Yes, but try and prove it. There are no witnesses to the shooting who can identify the killer. What about Barton's sister? Our local correspondent phoned. She was in the house at the time of the shooting. He didn't have all the facts, Steve, and I'd rather not give them to you over the phone. Could you come out here before you make a move to pin this murder on Malone? Of course, if you think it's important. I think it's very important, Steve, but I you know, can't explain on the phone. Make it as quick as you can. Okay, Laura, what's the address? The last and only house on Willow Lane. And please hurry. We'll find it. I'll pick up Harry the Hack and be out there on the double. That's the first portion of Big Town from September 14th, 1948 with Blind Justice. We'll get back to that after these words. 
Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Welcome back. I want to remind our listeners that Cat's Pride, our sponsor, has a drawing once a month. And one of our lucky listeners can win a year's supply of Cat's Pride kitty litter. Right, Lisa? Yes, we've been doing this for a few months now. And the drawing continues every single month. We will pick one lucky winner. That person needs to send a photo of them with their cat to catspridephoto at gmail.com. Don't forget to put your name, your cat's name, your city, and your state at the end of every single month, including this month. We will pick one lucky winner, and that person will win a year supply of Cat's Pride Kitty Litter, which is the best cat litter on the market, and why we are talking about this right here in Hollywood 360. Right, and we post all the pictures on our Hollywood 360 Facebook page, which uh, all you have to do is go to Facebook and search Hollywood 360 Radio. You'll see all the pictures, and you can win. I mean, there's not thousands and thousands of people that enter each month. It's in the hundreds, and you could be a winner. So just send in a picture of yourself and your cat to catspridephoto at gmail.com. All right, it's time now for the conclusion to Big Town from 1948. Say, boss. Say it, Harry. How come we are hightailing it way out here into the sticks, practically? Well, Miss Kilburn has run into something on the killing of a construction foreman who lived out here, Harry. Uh-oh. Uh, watch for a turn in the Willow Lane. Should be along here on the right. Jack, boss. Here it is. Oh, good. Loyal, I phoned. It was the house at the end of this lane. Harry. Looks like it's the only house, which makes it a somewhat underdeveloped overdevelopment, if you get what I mean. Yes, no wonder the local police couldn't find a single witness to the murder. And the lane, boss. And uh, there's the house right under the trees. Well, this must be it, Harry. And there's Lorelei's press car standing in the drive. Hey, you want for me to wait or haul back to Big Town? You better wait a few minutes, Harry. I'm sure there's a Big Town angle on this killing, and I may need you to help check on it. Okay, boss. Me and old Bess will be ready and rearing to go to say nothing of my trusty monkey wrench. Good. I'll be out in a few minutes. Huh. Strange, the local police hadn't left a man here to guard the house. That you, Steve? Oh, yes, Lorelei. Where's the local law? They've taken Barton's body to headquarters and seem to think there's nothing more to do here. Come on in and I'll explain why I called you. As I gathered, you couldn't talk over the phone. I didn't want to frighten Mike Barton's sister, Steve. Good grief. Did the police leave her here alone in this isolated house, knowing she's the only witness to a brutal gang slang? Yes, but you'll see why in a moment. But I think we should get her out of here. Oh, definitely. And I can't understand the police leaving her unguarded if there's the slightest chance of her being able to identify the killer, Lorelai. That's why, Steve. She can't identify the man who came to see Mike Barton and shot him to death on his own doorstep. But over the phone, you said she opened the door, spoke to the man before her brother came out and asked her to go in the parlor. Yes, Steve, but the catch is she... Oh. Miss Gilburn, is that your Mr. Wilson? Uh, yes, Miss Barton. Now you'll get what I mean, Steve. Won't you ask him to come into the parlor? Uh, in just a minute. Uh, would you mind getting your things and, and being ready to go? Must I go, Miss Kilburn? I, I haven't been out of this house in many years. Is it really necessary? Well, just for a few days, Miss Barton. Until we can locate your other relatives. Will I... Will I be able to come back for poor Mike's funeral? Yes, of course. And now, if you'll just get your things, you can tell Mr. Wilson your story on the way to Big Town. All right, Miss Kilburn, I'll go get me things. Good heavens, Lorelai. Blind? Yes, Steve. Completely blind. 
We know it, and the police know she can't possibly identify her brother's killer, but... Yes, I didn't realize it at first. She doesn't look or act blind. And that's why I think we ought to get her out of here, Steve. Yes, she fooled me for a minute, and the killer may think she can identify him. Try to silence her if we get too close to the truth in trying to link Barton's murder to Knuckles Malone and his building trades racket. Exactly. And I think we'd better get her to a safe place before we go after Malone. Yes, Laureline, your apartment couldn't be a better place. Uh, couldn't Harry take her there in his cab? No, I want Harry to watch this house for the next few hours while I try to stir up a hornet's nest in Big Town. What about me? And I want you to stay with Miss Barton until I can give Knuckles Malone enough rope to hang himself for this crime. <laughs> Fearing the racketeers behind the brutal gang killing of a construction foreman may not know the only possible witness against them is their victim's blind sister, Lorelei has taken Anna Barton to her apartment for safety, while Steve sets a trap for the killers. But meanwhile, in the warehouse offices of the so-called Big Town Supply Company... Yeah, yeah, come in. All right, Knuckles... Then he says you want to see me. I'll say I do. Where you been all night? Showing myself around of spots in case anybody starts asking about the blood out of that blood and dope. You're the dope. Take a look at this story in the early edition of the Illustrated Press. Well, so what? Ain't that racket-busting Wilson been trying to pin something on you for months? Yeah. Yeah, and maybe this time he's got a chance. How come? Read the story, you dope. Or maybe you're so dumb you can't read. Give me that rag. Now listen to this. Mike Barton's sister opened the door and the killer asked to see her brother, who came to the door, sent his sister into the parlor, and a moment later was shot to death. All right, so what? Look, she didn't turn on the light, and I had my coat collar turned up, my hat pulled down. I tell you, the dame never got a good look at. Maybe good enough for the cops to pick you up for her to identify. Well, there ain't no description there in the paper. Now, listen, stupid. The cops don't hand out everything they've got. And that guy, Wilson, don't print everything he knows. All right, all right. How about me blowing south for a while till Wilson and the cops get tired chasing themselves around in circles? Like nothing. You're going to clean this thing up. How? You're going to get hold of that Barton dame and shut her mouth. Now. Tonight. Hey, now, wait a minute, Knuckles. That dump in Willowdale's liable to be crawling with cops. You get back out there and case the layout. Watch for a chance to throw a slug through a window and get that lippy dame. Well, suppose I get picked up. Well, if you get picked up, you take the rap. And you try tying me to Barton's rub-out, and your old lady and your whole crummy family will end up in the drink. Now get out of here and clam that dame. Yeah, yeah, come in. Hello, Malone. Wilson, what do you want? I just happened to be passing your warehouse, saw a light here in your office, and thought I'd drop in and see what's giving you insomnia. Oh, yeah? Yes. You mind if I sit down? Yeah, I do mind. Beat it, Wilson. Go peddle your lousy illustrated press. Well, the news we print takes care of that. I see you have a copy of our early edition... You find anything interesting? Yeah, the comics. You and them hand me a laugh. I wonder if you'll laugh when they strap you in the chair. Now listen, Wilson. You and your paper been trying to pin a racket rap on me for months, and I'm warning you lay off. How many times does the rattlesnake rattle before he strikes? One of these days you're going to find out if you don't lay off me and my company. 
Oh, yes, that's right. You're a company, not a gang. Yeah. Knuckles Malone, president. Ginny Lawson, treasurer in charge of shakedowns. Jojo, secretary of kickbacks or material. A sales force of sluggers and muggers and general manager of... Now, listen, Wilson, you print that... And you can sue the Illustrated Press. Now, don't you take your cases to court. Only to the morgue, like the body of Mike Barton. Barton? Yes, Mike Barton. What do you think you've got, Wilson? Well, frankly, what I think I have isn't half as important as what you think I might have. Well, you ain't got a thing, or you wouldn't have come here without your pal Callahan, a homicide. Well, that's a comforting thought. Make the most of it. Get out of here, Wilson. You ain't needling me into nothing. What's the matter, Malone? Are you worried about this rub-out after so many others? Worried about that witness who talked to your trigger boy? I got nothing to worry about. I got plenty alibis. Well, then relax. Quit watching that phone on your desk as if you expect it to ring any minute. Beat it, Wilson. Beat it, or so help me out. bluffing, Knuckles. I know all about you. You haven't used your fists on anyone since you cracked your knuckles, broke your hands on another foreman who wouldn't play your dirty game years ago. Don't count on that, Wilson. All right, start swinging. Now, look. I think I'd almost be willing to break my hands on you. (laughs) No, 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 Wilson. You don't needle me into no assault rap. I wouldn't be interested in anything that wouldn't put you away for life. Well, keep after me and maybe you'll get it. You better answer your phone, Knuckles. Maybe important. This is your big night. Yeah. Maybe it's your big night. Yeah. Knuckles, it's me, Trick. Yeah. The Barton Dave's courthouse is closed up. You sure? Sure, I'm sure. And I got a notion the cops have got her on ice and I better land. I got a notion they ain't. And I got another notion. You better come back here and help me find out where that dame is. How are we going to do that? I got a guy right here in the office who talks like he knows something and he's going to tell us. That newspaper guy, Wilson. And I've got the notion he's crossing his cop pals for a scoop and knows where the Barton dame's hiding. If he ain't actually hit her himself. What if he won't talk? Well, if he ain't talked by the time you get here, we'll learn him how. Okay. Give me 20 minutes to get there. Get here and bring a blackjack. Sorry, Malone. I don't think I care to wait for the treatment. Hold it, Wilson. Hold it and sit down. Oh. So now we come to guns. Yeah. My knuckles may be busted, but my trigger finger is just itching to let you have a load of lead. That wouldn't help you find Anna Barton? No. But if you haven't spilled where you've got her before Trigg and his blackjack get here, you're going to get a beating maybe you won't live to remember. Miss Kilburn. Oh, oh, Miss Barton. Try to get some sleep. It's three o'clock. Oh, I can't sleep, Miss Kilburn, from thinking about poor Mike and worrying about you and your nice Mr. Wilson. You've been so kind to let me stay here in your apartment. Oh, I'm glad you're here and not in that isolated house, but don't worry about Steve Wilson, Miss Barton. He can take care of himself. So, don't worry. But you're worried. I heard you out here in the living room pacing up and down. 
You're mighty fond of him, aren't you? Yes. Doggone it. Oh, that may be Steve. Steve? Sorry, Miss oh. Kilburn. It's only me, Harry the Hat. Oh, Harry, well, have you heard from Steve? No, I ain't, Miss Kilburn, but I got something you ought to know. He went to see me. Knuckles Malone in the hope of needling him into showing his hand in this Barton killing. Holy moly, maybe he's in the middle of something. Well, what makes you think so, Harry? Because well, I hung around that Barton guy's house in Willowdale like the boss said to do, see? Mm-hmm. And about an hour ago, a car stopped in the lane and mm-hmm. a guy cased the place and hauled to Big Town with me and Judicious Pursuit. Where'd the man go in Big Town, Harry? Well, that, that is the fly in the ointment, Miss Kilpoint. He hightailed it straight for that supply house on South Street that Malone uses as a front for his shakedown rackets. Good heavens, and Steve may be there right now. Uh, where are you, Harry? I'm phoning from an all-night dog wagon about a block from the warehouse. Harry, cruise around and see if my press car is parked in the neighborhood. Steve took it after he dropped Miss Barton and me here at my place. Okay, Miss Cooper. If I find a press car, we'll know the boss is probably in a warehouse and in a jam, which will require some assistance of a knocker, knocker nature. No, now, wait a minute, Harry. Please don't crash into that rat's nest just armed with a monkey wrench. I'm calling Inspector Callahan, and I'll be down there on the double. On, you slug. Where you got that Barton dame? Come on, Wilson, talk. Spill it or I'll sap you, silly. Go ahead. Hold it, Trig. Give him a minute to think it over. Rest your arm. Don't worry, Knuckles. I can keep swinging on this slug all night. I said hold it a minute. Now listen, Wilson. I'll strap to this chair. Don't have much choice. I'll make a deal with you. I'm listening. But if you're still offering your lip-chewing gunsel as the rap boy in the Barton killing, it's no go. What's that? What's that double play? Don't be a dope, Trig. He's trying to cross us up. Sounds like you've been trying it on me. Well, what do you expect? What's the deal, Knuckles? Relax, Trig. I was just going to give this dope a chance to get out of this jam alive. But since he's tried to cross us up, I changed my mind. Go ahead and beat it out of him. He's good, but he can't take much more. Okay. But don't get no ideas of selling me out, Knuckles. All right, straighten him up in that chair and let me go to work. What? Lay off of the boss, you sap-slinging slug! Oh, uh, thanks, but watch it, Harry. Malone has a gun. Yeah, Hacky. You swing that wrench on me and I'll tear you open with every slug in this rod. Uh-oh. Sorry, boss. I guess I picked the wrong pigeon first. It was a nice try, Harry, but don't risk a repeat performance on Malone. You better drop the wrench. Oh, no. Wait a minute, Hacky. You knocked out my boy just when I needed him to do a little beating job on Wilson. Mister, you are positively breaking our hearts, is he not, boss? Lay off the gags and listen to me, Hacky. Well, go ahead and talk, Malone. Mister Wilson and me has got more time to spare than you got. Meaning what? Meaning Harry trails your stupid gunsel here and doesn't make a habit of crashing a rat's nest without inviting the police in for the showdown. Check and double check, boss. Well, in that case, we ain't got much time, so you're taking my boy's place. Now get to work on Wilson with that monkey wrench you're so handy with. Go on, Hacky. Slug him until he talks. <laughs> Go on, Hacky. 
Work on Wilson with that monkey wrench until he talks. Well, look, Malone, if you will leave me a lucid date, I... You better go ahead, Harry. Malone is getting nervous. He's uh, listening for the sound of a squad car siren. Oh, uh, yeah? Well, I still got a notion you crossed your cop's pals on this deal to get a scoop for your lousy illustrated press, Wilson. Well, that same notion has sent smarter killers than you and your gunsel trig to the chair. Clam up, Wilson. I only want one thing out of you. Where's that Barton dame that can identify Trigg as the guy that knocked off her brother? Suppose I told you Anna Barton never saw your gun, boy. Don't give me that. She opened the door. She talked to the dope. Even so, suppose I told you Anna Barton wasn't able to give one single solitary clue as to the identity of the man who murdered her brother. I'd say you're a liar and I'm going to get the truth out of you. Go on, Hacky. Start marking Wilson up with that monkey wrench. Well, look at Malone, as I was about to elucidate. One conk with this noggin knocker, and nobody talks for hours. For example, your guns are laying over there on the floor like a soiling mackerel. If you knock Wilson out before he spills where he's got that Barton dame hid, I'll chop you up with this rod. Go on, Harry. Can't be much worse than Trigg's blackjack. Oh, look, boss. Why don't you tell him where the lady is? By now, Miss Kilpain has got to inspect the Callahan, and Malone has got about as much chance of getting out of this stump as a, a fly has getting out of a barrel of molasses. Quit stalling. Quit bluffing. Come on. Start swinging, Hacky. Go on, Harry. Wait a minute, Harry. What? The, who's the dame, Wilson? Lorelei, why didn't you stay out of here? Sorry, Steve. I thought I'd better come in with that stitch in time to save you boys nine. And try to convince Mr. Malone that Inspector Callahan and his homicide squad are in the process of covering every rat hole in this warehouse. Don't give me that. Callahan wouldn't have let no dame walk in here alone. Who are you, sister? Not your sister, thank heavens. And I didn't wait for Inspector Callahan's permission to come in here. You hadn't ought to done it, Miss Kilpine. This Malone character's got a strictly one-track mind and thinks that gun in his mitt is a magic wand. And it's going to get me out of here, and this dame is just what the doctor ordered. All right, come on, Kilburn. Unstrap Wilson, and we're going out the back way to a place where he can tell me all about that Barton dame without his pal Callahan busting in. Hey, what, what about your gun boy? We going to leave him here for Callahan? No. You knocked him out, so you're going to carry him. Go on, Kilburn. Take the straps off of Wilson. All right. Are you badly hurt, Steve? Can you walk? Yes, I can manage. Hit the floor when I get the word. Wait, Steve. Callahan's boys must be outside by now, closing in. Hey, get away from him, Kilburn. Well, now get up and head for the door, Wilson. We're going down in the cellar and come out in the next block. Knuckles. Knuckles. Well, look who's coming out of the slug I give him. I must be slipping, boss. Get Trigg on his feet, Hacky. Uh, no, wait a minute. Let me take him, Harry. It'll be a pleasure, and he might be useful. <laughs> Who slugged me, Knuckles? Who slugged Come me? Come on, gun boy. On your feet. Let's go. Now you're getting smart, Wilson. And when we get where we're going, maybe you'll be smart enough to talk, huh? No, I think we better have this out right here. <coughs> Back of me, Lorelei. Dive, Harry. You tricky slug. Break away, Trick. I can't, Knuckles. Get away from in front of I him. I can't. Oh. Knuckles. He's all yours, Malone. Oh, give me a piece of boss. No, Trick's out of the play, Harry. Hold him alone Let while I get go. the gun out of his hand. This so hold him. Nice swinging, Harry. Thanks very much. Knuckles. Knuckles, get up, you slug. You got me in the stomach, you rat knock. What's that Trigg character, Steve? He's got a gun in his shoulder holster and he's calling for it. Yes, wait a minute, Trigg. You need a doctor, not a gun. <laughs> Thanks very much. I think ballistics 
Well, show, this is the weapon that killed Mike Barton. And to pin the crime on this murderous little rat and Malone who hired him to do it, the police won't need the testimony of Mike Barton's blind sister. Blind? Blind? You mean a... You mean a Barton's name was blind? That's right. Stone blind. Blind? She never saw me. <laughs> it's a laugh, eh? Couldn't have put the finger on me, even if the cops picked me up. <laughs> blind, huh? Yes, Trigg. Yours is the common case of the guilty fleeing when none could pursue. And blind justice being on the side of the victims of violence and greed. <laughs> So ended, with the subsequent arrest and conviction of Knuckles Malone and his murderous gunsel, another exciting racket-smashing assignment of the newspaper career of Steve Wilson and his staff of the Illustrated Press. In tonight's dramatization, all names, times, and places are fictional, and any similarity to other names and places is purely coincidental. Big Town features Edward Pauley as Steve Wilson, Fran Carlin as Lorelei Kilborn, and was written and directed by Jerry McGill. And now, Big Town bids you good night until next Tuesday night, same time, same station, when you'll hear the newsboy calling... Extra, extra hero, about it. The story of Steve Wilson and Big Town, brought to you by Life Boy Health Soap, another fine lever product. Extra, extra... And that's Big Town from September 14, 1948, with Blind Justice starring Edward Pauley. Also in the cast, Fran Carlin and Robert Dryden. It was sponsored by Lifeboy and Rinso, as heard on NBC. Let's take a break, then it's more here on Hollywood 360. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Well, Lisa, I am going to be on the next show, Peter Lorre. I star in Crime and Punishment on Mystery in the Air, so you won't want to miss me. No, I wouldn't miss you. All right? And then, I'll just do this for Carl. After that, the Phil Harris and Alice Faye show, so you won't want to miss our next episode of Hollywood 360. See you next time. 